This is the intersection. The intersection. This is the Intersection Podcast, recorded the 17th of May 2018. Episode 34, the only critic on earth who doesn't like Black Panther. The Intersection Podcast is only made possible through the support of its listeners and sponsors. If you have a product or service that you feel may appeal to our audience, please contact sponsor at intersectioncast.com. Hello and welcome to The Intersection, the podcast that bridges together the worlds of tech and pop culture. And it's been a while since uh, we've brought you an episode and um, we were supposed to talk about a a little comic book uh, movie um, last week at some point, uh, but uh, life happens, things get in the way, so we're with you this week. Um, But I've got a treat for you because our resident film aficionado, Mr. Bronson Green, is back in the house. Bronson, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. And uh, thanks for queuing me in so, so nicely. Although I wouldn't, I've never been called a treat for any anything or anyone. So thanks for that. Appreciate well, it. Well, Bronson is the first time for everything, but you really are a treat for our listeners. And uh, it's good to have you back. Always good to have you on board, and always fun. Anyway, so what well, have you been? So, well, so sweet of you. <laughs> well, what have you been up to in terms of uh, the movies? Do you know what? I haven't. Um, I've seen a couple of movies here and there, not not. Um, that many um uh, a couple of people i know have have been absolutely binge watching and um, binge watching various tv shows um but i haven't been i've been getting up to a few other bits and bobs um a little bit of little bit of collecting um transformers as as you know had a one or two funny episodes there um spotting something that i really needed to buy from a famous comic shop in the middle of london and then just working out the logistics of carrying it back because it's a it was a transformer that transforms into a city no less so uh, what uh, yeah and uh yeah trying to get it back uh, without getting a sweat on and without it knocking into anything and um so it was, it was boxed was it or pretty yeah yeah boxed up it was imported from japan and and um there's some people in like the uk and america who still haven't had this shipped from asia but the comic shop in question i believe the guy who owns it is is chinese if i'm not too mistaken and and he makes regular trips out to china and japan and brings stuff back and he he bought this this figure back it's it's called grand maximus yeah it's a it's an autobot it's huge transforms into a ship a city and a and a robot and um I, i didn't even wasn't even particularly on my radar but i was actually showing some family around London, some family who were visiting from Canada. Mm. And I sort of took them up to Leicester Square to meet another family member who, who works at Capital Radio. She came out and she was saying hello to the guests. I said to them, can you give me two minutes, guys? I'm just going to disappear. I disappeared into a comic shop, which is only two minutes from there. And I popped in and there there it was on the shelf, Grand Max. And I was like, oh my God, this... Uh, this figure's not supposed to be released yet, and this guy's already got it. And I sort of double cross-checked the pricing uh, online with what the guy had it marked as, and it was really cheap. I thought, I've got to get this. And about three days later, on my way home from work, I work in London, rather than just going straight home, I went 
took took the detour, picked this thing up, and it was it was very heavy. But uh, the people who sold it to me were kind enough to improvise a carrying device and um, <laughs> a bag. Uh, well, it was a bag, two bags shaped into handles, um, taped onto a bin liner, which had the aforementioned transformer in it. And it was a, it was an adventure getting home. I thought I did everything perfectly until I got to the last major station. And as I was going through the barriers, the back of the box got snagged on the, um, you know, the barriers as they close. Yeah. So what I should have done is I should have gone through through one of the larger like uh, gates where you can take luggage through. So it was all, it was all my fault. The back of the box got caught and it got a little bit squashed, but nothing too drastic. And then uh, got onto the train, wiped wiped the sweat off my brow, and then and all of a sudden, uh, former Newcastle and England footballer Rob Lee, he was sitting opposite me. <laughs> I'm sitting there looking at him thinking that's Rob Lee and uh, do you know what I didn't want to bother the guy I didn't you want to come you didn't say hello well no I, I regretted not broaching a conversation with him because I could have asked him about the Liverpool Newcastle 4-3 match from 1996 in which he played it's, it's, just, it's just about the most famous Premier League match in the history of the Premier League and uh, Liverpool as I say they won 4-3 in the last minute and I should have asked him about that, but my mind was on several other things. I was kind of on my phone trying to ponce a lift off someone to get this object home that I just bought. Um, and I wasn't 100% sure it was him. And then as I was getting off at my station, I took a couple of steps closer to him before I got to the doors, and it was him. He just glanced up for a second, and uh, I was like, oh, my God, it is Rob Lee. <laughs> and, uh, and he doesn't have black hair anymore. He's a, he's a silver fox now. You should have uh, given him a very knowing sort of nod. No, didn't have to say anything at all. Just sort of look in his direction. Not uh, no, he, he might have thought I was a gay guy trying to crack onto him or something. I, I thought, no, I'll leave, I'll leave him to it. <laughs> he nudges or winks. I'll leave him to it. Yeah, he's Rob Lee. So, uh, I'll, you know, no, no one else probably recognises him, but I do. And, uh, yeah, managed to get the, the Transformer home. And then there's there, there's been all kinds of other shenanigans I won't go into in, in terms of collecting. But it's... Uh, yeah, it's been fun. I've been up to, I've been as you as you can probably tell, I've been up to quite been up to quite a few sort of things over the last few weeks, and and, and we've had some quite good good weather as well in in London. Um, we have, yeah. Um, so I've been enjoying that. What about yourself? Um, yeah, um, I'm, I've, I've been up to a fair bit. Um, apart from the mundanities of uh, regular life, I've been well. There's a small movie that we've both seen that we'll talk about a bit later on. Um, I tell you what else I've watched actually. Um, this uh, Karate Kid spin-off, Cobra Kai, uh, which is um, an, an original series uh, produced by um, YouTube. It's part of the YouTube Red service, which I'm not entirely sure we have we have in the UK. But nonetheless, it, it's pretty much like um, I mean, you, you you pay a subscription fee, you get um, you, you get original content, pretty much like Netflix, anyway. And um, I noticed, I mean, we saw the trailer for this thing a while ago, actually. So it takes place, was it 35 years later, after the, the first Karate Kid movie? And it's got all of the actors from before. So it's got the same guy, Ralph Macchio, playing Daniel LaRusso. It's got the guy, I forget his name, who played um, his opponent in the first movie, the, the guy who bullied him, um, Johnny. Johnny. Johnny, yeah. Um, obviously no Miyagi because um, he's no longer with us um, but yeah so set 
35 years later and we had the teaser trailer um, a few months ago so I was on YouTube and I noticed that um, they had the first two episodes up for free so I figured all right let's watch this I wasn't expecting much from it and you know what it was really good um, it well I say it was good it was a nice piece of nostalgia so the premise is so 35 years later Daniel LaRusso is um, He's, he's in the auto trade, so he owns several car dealerships. He's very successful. He's, he's got a bit of money. He's got a beautiful wife, two children, beautiful home. He's doing well. On the flip side, Johnny's a bit of a down and out. He drinks a little bit too much. He lives in a crummy apartment. He's got nothing going for him. He's got a son out there, a teenage son who hates his guts. He, you know, he's, he hasn't he's neglected him as a father. Um... And, and so basically their lives are the polar opposite one one another. Um, and the first episode is actually quite interesting because it's it's told from Johnny's point of view. Um, he runs into um, a young guy, um, a high school kid called Miguel. And um, he's he also lives in the neighborhood in an apartment. He lives with his mum and his grandma. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they meet, they introduce one another. That's about it. Um, and then at one point, uh, Johnny's out buying beer <laughs> and, um, he runs into this kid who's basically been, the, the, the kid Miguel has basically been bullied by, um, a bunch of jerks from his high school. Um, so Johnny decides to stick up for him, engages in a bit of karate, um, shows those punks, uh, a thing or two. And helps this kid out. And then the kid obviously says thanks. And the kid's like, where'd you learn? You know, how'd you know karate? Johnny, Johnny tells him this story. And the kid pleads for him to train him in the ways of karate. There's a little bit of resistance, but eventually he does that. And, you know, I, I'm giving a very sort of abridged version of what happens here. Uh, so he trains him up. Uh, and he finds... You don't drop in major spoilers. Because I, I will probably give this show a crack at some point. Okay, I better not give... I better, I better not, I better drop in spoilers. I was about to spoil the heck out of it, actually. Um, anyway, as you can imagine, I mean, I think it, I can give this spoiler because it's fairly obvious from the title. Johnny restarts the Cobra Kai dojo, right? Yeah, you can see that in the trailer, yeah. as well. And um, uh, I, before you carry on, a couple of things. So YouTube Red. I, I didn't even know that it existed. And it's only in North America, you say, not not Europe? I You know what? I, I, I don't know for certain, but I, I, I'm fairly confident that we don't have that. We don't have that uh, service over here in the UK because I've heard no, I've, I've not seen it advertised anywhere. OK, well, I did see a headline a couple of weeks ago, which said something like Cobra Kai becomes the first piece of original content from YouTube, which is out performing anything on netflix and amazon prime something like that so that caught my attention actually so it sounds like they've got it all to do to catch up with the likes of netflix um but this is their first sort of home run is it by the sounds of it yeah 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 it is and um so it's um well first of all explain to the to our listeners obviously i we i don't have access to the youtube red service the first two episodes are out there on regular YouTube, you can watch them for free. There's no restrictions whatsoever. I had to search for the remaining um, uh, eight episodes. There's ten in total, uh, and and they are out there. It's not hard to find. They're not hard to find. And I binge watched them over over two days. To be honest, um, I enjoyed it. 
I enjoyed the show. I don't want to spoil it now. Now that you're, you want to watch it, uh, Bronson, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Just a couple of interesting things that I want to mention, which I hope aren't too much of a spoiler. I felt Daniel in this came off as a little bit of an arsehole. Okay, well, well... Um, we, can, we, can, we can revisit this when you've seen it, but um, I, I felt he came off a little bit of an arsehole, and I found myself rooting for Johnny all the way through the blooming show. And um, I, I, I don't know if it was done intentionally. I, I get the feeling it was. It's what, you know, like with modern TV, everything's blurred. There are no villains and heroes. Everything's kind of grey. Um, so, yeah, they're playing off that a little bit. But I did feel myself rooting for, for, for Johnny. I liked what he, he was doing for the kids with his dojo. Um, obviously, Daniel still got beef, as they say. Um, he's still very bitter. Um, I find the two, it's interesting to them reminisce so, about high school. They have such vivid memories. I mean, I don't remember high school with that much detail. Um, I mean, I remember it, but really. Um, but um, it, 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 it's a show that relies a lot on nostalgia. There are, there are a few flashbacks from the Karate Kid movies. There are a lot of, there are a lot of nods and references. Um, they, all of the characters that return including Daniel's mother, I might add, are all played by the same actors and actresses. Um, so there's a nice continuity there. Um, well, I usually run a mile from TV shows which are based on properties that already exist. Yeah. Um, because, I, like, for example, the TV show Lethal Weapon, I just think pointless, you know? Yeah. Um, but this TV show, as you say, it's not um, a reboot. It's an extension, isn't it? They've carried on yeah. with the story. Um so from what you're telling me, it, it sounds like there's real, real value in it, and also it's it's nice for a nostalgia junkie like you to um, see those characters again. And yeah, considering that they were teenagers in the original movies, um, it's perfectly natural to now see what they're doing thirty, thirty-five years later. So yeah, I guess I shouldn't maybe be as cynical on yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a continuation, and and I, I actually, but you know, if you haven't seen the Karate Kid movies, actually, I'll, I'll go as so far as say you don't need to watch the first one. If you haven't seen the first Karate Kid movie and you don't, or you don't know it particularly well, there's probably not much in this for you. Um, it's fairly entertaining, but you, it relies heavily on nostalgia, um, and like I said, it, it, you know, the the uh, the roles are a bit blurred. I thought Daniel came across as a as a little bit of a smug arsehole, personally. Um, and I was rooting for the bad guy, who isn't that much of a bad guy, but then that's life. Such is life, right? Um, and there's actually quite an interesting moment, this is the only spoiler I'll give, where he, uh, Johnny is um, explaining his rivalry with Daniel to his student, and what Johnny does, and this is complete with flashbacks, is 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 um, basically retells the story of the Karate Kid, but from his point of view, and it totally makes Daniel look like the antagonist, look like the arsehole, look like the guy was picking on Johnny for no reason, and it's quite funny. But obviously, that's probably how he, you know, how that's, he saw things. That's actually really interesting. Without even having seen the TV show, I can, if I was a writer. I can see how you could spin that because he, first of all, is Elizabeth Shue in it? No. No, yes. okay. 
And the guy who was in Cagney and Lacey, who played Sensei, is he in it? Um, you know, the main Sensei. No comment. Okay, all right, good. You'll right, understand right. why I say that. All right, no, thank you. I should thank you for being vague on that. Um, yeah, if I was a writer, I, I can see how you would do that because Daniel turns up in California and he basically starts a romance with Johnny's ex. Yeah. And that's what he says. Uh, he stole my girl. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, so I can see how they would spend that. That sounds pretty clever. You know, you've done a pretty good job of pitching it there. So I was going to avoid it because as I say, when I see a TV series, like, I don't know, just, you can name anyone. There's been dozens now, which have been based on properties that are already out there. Um, the worst one is when you get some, some movie from back in the day and they've turned it into a series. Like, Aren't they, aren't they doing that with It or, or some other Stephen King property where they're turning it into a series? When, yeah, I, yeah. when I hear of stuff like that, it just makes my head hurt because I, I'm just like, just come up with something original. I mean, like, like The Punisher, for example. I know it's based on, obviously, the, the comic book. Now, I used to read the comic book as a kid. I watched the first episodes of, of The Punisher TV series, and it was just slow and drawn out. And I was like, okay, it's got high production values, but it doesn't really have quality. It doesn't really have content. Mm. But it sounds like this 10-episode series, Cobra Kai, does actually have a bit of content. It's not one of those series that slow burn and drags, is it? No, no, no. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Um, obviously, the backbone of 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 um the, the the running narrative is the rivalry between or the beef between johnny and and daniel but obviously there are new kids brought into the mix it's fairly obvious that johnny is as he's running a dojo he's instructing various kids so we follow the kids as well but um i i mean like i said it, it, if you have any affinity you know, with the Karate Kid, original Karate Kid movie, you'll enjoy this. Um, I, I think, I thought it was good. I was surprised I binge watched it over two days. Um, I really went into it thinking it was just going to be a load of rubbish, but you know, it was fun. And you mentioned um, Elizabeth Shrew. Um, no, she's not in it. There's a lovely moment, I won't spoil it, but there's a lovely moment um, between Daniel and Johnny when they are reminiscing. And I quite like that scene. I enjoyed that. So right. she's not in it. Just like Miyagi's not in it, but his spirit is there. He's most right. definitely there. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing Disney didn't make Cobra Kai because Miyagi would have come back as a force ghost. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, do you know what? A bit spooky a few months ago. I could have swore my brother and my sister-in-law were watching all the Karate Kid movies, one, two, three, and four. Oh, gosh, four. Fourth one with Larry Swank, is it? That's the one, yeah. It's the next yeah, Karate Kid. Yeah. Okay. So I think maybe my brother and sister-in-law were watching episode um, Cry Kid one, two, and three. I don't think they watched the Hulu Twenty One. But um, I was sort of, uh, I was sort of in and out for a couple of those movies, just seeing little bits and bobs. And um, yeah, I've still got time for them. You know, they're obviously a little bit cheesy, and they're they're of their era. But um, and obviously the first one's the prototype. It is the best one. It's better than two and three, and obviously better than four. But, um, you know, I've got memories of all three of those films, um, which uh, are still relatively vivid. Some of the moments that, is it John G. Avildsen, the guy who did uh, Rocky? Yep. Yeah, so he, he crafted, he, he knew what he was doing. Uh, he crafted moments that worked, and they still kind of work. 
don't they? And, I mean, stru- uh, structurally, the Karate Kid's exactly the same as Rocky. Exactly the same. Yeah, 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 I understand that, yeah. And that's the thing, because we, we I think one of the things we got out of the Karate Kid, and that's certainly being a young person when I watched it, is it's it's a story about the underdog, right? That's why we rooted for Daniel. But that's what makes this, this continuation very interesting because Daniel's no longer the underdog. He's the guy with the money. He's the guy with a successful they, life. They've subverted uh, yeah. everything. And uh, that's brilliant because they haven't just regurgitated it. That's right, yeah. They've decided to look at it and say, well, let's look at it from a slightly different point of view. Let's try and do something different. And I'm all for that. You know, credit to them. Um, and Cry Kid, yeah, it was very uh, a major 80s kind of property. As you say, four films. And also there was a, a toy line, which if you can find the, um, the various toys what, mint in their boxes or on their cards, I, I think they're worth a reasonable amount of money. And um, I remember those toys and the catalogs and things and, and, and maybe on the toy shelves, I, I seem to remember you could get a playset of Mr. Miyagi's house, which was done kind of like Japanese style. And um, uh, I remember the posters being in the windows of the rental video rental shops, which are obviously gone now. Millennials don't know what those are. Blockbuster video, what's that? And uh, I also remember Pratt at my uh, primary school uh, borrowing. Uh, you know, you know when you actually go to a real karate dojo, certainly in the UK, that the belts you get are quite thick, aren't they? Yep. They're quite long and thick. You have to wrap them around a couple of times before you tie it. I remember this Pratt um, who came into primary school. He'd obviously borrowed the, the red belt of his older brother and he was trying to wear it around his head. <laughs> and it was hanging off him. And I was just looking at him thinking, what an idiot. So, yeah, it was one of those things in the 80s where everyone wanted to be the karate kid. <laughs> there's um oh gosh i'm trying not to spoil this for you but um one aspect of johnny's character and you'll love this you'll appreciate this is that he's stuck in the 80s he is stuck in the 80s it's like you know he knows nothing about life out you know beyond 1989 wait, wait a minute back up for a second you said drunk down and out loser stuck in the 80s yeah it's, it's me <laughs> So, I mean, everything from the music he listens to, the car he drives, the way he speaks. He doesn't even know what Facebook is. He he he, he, he is stuck in the 80s. And I thought that was a nice little touch. Brilliant. All right. It, it's a sale. I'll watch it. Yeah, definitely. Watch it. it, it and, and you listeners out there. It's, it's worth checking out. It's not disappointing. Um, but, we'll, you know, when Bronson watches it, we'll, we, we'll, we'll, we'll come back and we'll discuss spoilers and we'll discuss um, plot points. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was good fun. No matter how mainstream it was and how cheesy it was, you have to give your dues to a property like that when certain bits of dialogue or certain bits of the soundtrack, they're still used in the vernacular. Like, for example, if I'm having a conversation with someone who's also an 80s child and um, I'm trying to do something and I can't do it or, or they can't do it, and I'll say to them, don't worry, you're the best. You can do it. You're the best around. And I'll just drop that in. And he'll, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Other personal. And certain little things like that from Karate Kid have, um, this, they're in, I mean, how, how often do you hear someone just drop a joke in where they say wax in, wax on, wax off? Yeah, exactly. At least once a year, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I, I even come out with prattish stuff. Like if someone says, oh, I can't, like my nephew and niece say, I can't do that. I say, 
man who catch fly with chopping stick can do anything. I'll say, I'll drop stuff like that in. Me argues him. Yeah. <laughs> look at me and that prat. Yeah. No. There's uh, some great great quotables. Matt, young bee need flower to make honey. Don't need crusty old man. Stuff like that. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course. I'm sure I've got that slightly wrong, but you know, fantastic. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So check it out. Um, one thing that struck me as interesting was um, oh, Ralph Macho looks pretty youthful for his age. He's 56, right? He doesn't what? come across as 56 in this. And he's funny because you watch him and he's got the same mannerisms. Of course he would, it's the same person. But he's got exactly the same mannerisms as you know you saw him in when you last see him. I think Karate Kid 3 was 1989. Which, funnily enough, I found out the other day, he, the actor, was 28 years old. Wow. When he did that movie. He doesn't look it, does he? 28. Well, well, when we saw him in My Cousin Vinny, they were trying to make him look like a man in that um, like guy who's, who's going through the ringer because um, he'd been arrested or whatever and he was, he was on trial. And he still looked very young in that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, do you know what? I remember watching a video on YouTube, Elizabeth Shue on a talk show somewhere, mugging it off, saying stuff like um, he was a wimp. I could have beaten him up uh, when we were filming Karate Kid. I, I was better than him at soccer and stuff like this. I remember her saying all this stuff and laughing, and not in a nasty way, just bantering. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's funny that you say that, that he's, he's still sort of, got that youthfulness about him which was obviously why he was getting cast in, yeah. um, in subsequent sequels years later a bit like Michael J Fox was in Back to the Future sequels that's true yeah yeah anyway Cobra Kai check it out recommend it even if it's I don't know there, there are ways I find it I mean I don't know how to, how one would watch it officially in the UK There's, it's got to be out there somewhere I don't think we have YouTube read though but like I say, anyone, everyone has access to the first two episodes at least, so check it out. Well, I'll I'll, I'll track I'll track it down with uh, extreme prejudice, no mercy. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> right, so let's get into uh, oh, what we the crux of what we're going to discuss in this episode, and that is that little comic book movie that was released two weeks ago. Um, but when we last spoke. You hadn't yet seen Black Panther. No, Have I haven't. Yeah, no, I think you you saw it and you liked it, didn't you? You had a lot of good things to say I about really, it. I really liked it, yeah. Twice, didn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah, once was, you know, by invitation. And the other time was with my own cash. But yeah. Yeah. Well, when I saw the, the trailer for Black Panther, I, it did, really didn't motivate me to want to go to the cinema to see it. And... um a friend of mine at work, actually, who's a good few years older than me, who was actually old enough that he saw a new hope in the cinema back in 77, for example, that should give you a rough idea of his age. Wow. He said in the, yeah, he said in the 70s, he used to read the odd comic book, uh, and one of them was Black Panther. And I remember he was actually telling me, he said, yeah, I think it was actually created by these white guys, but it's obviously a progressive black character, black community in an African country. And I remember when he was telling me, I turned around and said to him, it sounds like they were just taking advantage of black exploitation, uh, which obviously in the seventies, you know, Hollywood companies discovered, obviously there was a lucrative market out there that had been neglected. I, I, I don't know if, if black Panther partly came out of that, 
black exploitation sort of movement. Um, Possibly. I'm sure it had something to do with it. Listen, wherever there's money on the table, which someone realizes they haven't hoovered up, then they usually react, don't they? So I wouldn't be surprised. But um, as a character, it's never appealed to me hugely. As I say, the trailer didn't really appeal to me. But I was looking forward to watching it. So um, a friend of mine had a copy of it. I asked him no questions. I don't know how he got it. And I thought, okay, I can, I can sit down and watch this thing now because I was I was actually going to go and watch Infinity War two days later, hmm. and that, and and I watched it and I, I thought it was terrible. I've got to be honest. I thought it was the weakest Marvel movie yet. And give you an example. I thought Doctor. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's the weakest Marvel movie? Uh, Black Panther. What? In my, in my <laughs> opinion, yeah. Um, so so let me explain myself. Um, I'm not. I've got to say to our listeners, we're not doing this. Uh, there goes our listeners. There you go. No, 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 I'm not saying this to um, be uh, provocative, like devil's advocate, to make for interesting podcasting. This hasn't been pre-planned at all, has it? You, you didn't know my opinion. I, I didn't know it. No, you, you kept, uh, yeah, you kept quiet about that one. Yeah, yeah, but as you know, I'm always honest, and um, yeah, I, I thought it. I remember I went to see Doctor Strange at the cinema and I thought that was terrible. I thought, you know, it was Benedict Cumberbatch doing a Hugh Laurie impression. He was basically acting as house. And um, there was a lot of um, action and (laughs) intrigue and and effects, which just seemed a bit inconsequential to me in in Doctor Strange. And I really didn't like that film. I I felt shortchanged having watched it at the cinema. That's what I mean. I think had I seen that on the small screen, perhaps I wouldn't have been as harsh on it. So I watched Black Panther and I, th- I, I, I sort of I sat down at the end of it and I thought, you know, I, I think that's just about worse than Doctor Strange. I, I thought it was a little bit predictable. I, I didn't like the fact that, OK, on the one side, you've got this progressive egalitarian society in Africa, which is a welcome relief. You know, you know, we don't we, we don't just want Hollywood products showing us Africa as a developing or a third world nation, which I don't think you're supposed to use that terminology anymore, third world. I think we're supposed to say developing nation or a developing continent, I should say. And no, no don't get me wrong. It's good to see more progressive um, uh, stories set in, in Africa. But um, I thought for all its egalitarianism, the Black Panther lineage is a hereditary one. It's like a bloodline. It's royalty. So that felt like um, a, uh, a hypocritical kind of, you know, a, a contradiction. Uh, and, and I know that obviously that's not the film necessarily. That comes from the original comic book. I get that. But yeah. um, so I, I didn't I didn't like that. And um, and then I just thought some of the effects, they were, they were good. They were good, but they weren't as good as they should have been. I'm, I'm seeing this more and more with Hollywood movies where they're just not spending enough money on the CGI um, because I think standards, the quality control has dropped. They're just figuring, do you know what? We can get away with a quality of six or seven out of 10 standard. We don't need to strive for nine out of 10 or or 10 out of 10. Um, That disappointed me. I thought the lead actor um, was wooden. He was completely not engaging to me. He got completely outacted by Michael B. Jordan, who I think is a very good actor. Um, and then also uh, Black Panther just got beaten to a pulp by Michael B. Jordan um, in their first face-off. And I, I was like, well, wait, he got beaten up a little bit too easily there. And um, 
There was lots of things in the film that I liked, like, for example, the brains in the film was not a crusty old white man. It was a young, good-looking black girl. Oh, Shuri, the sister, yeah. She was the brains of the film, and I loved that. It was a great sort of inversion. And, and it, was, it wasn't it was done like a, in a tokenistic way. You totally bought that character, that she's a geek, that she's naturally intelligent, that she's got the answers, and she's so smart, it's almost embarrassing for her bigger brother in a way at times when she's one step ahead. So that was a progressive and, and, and an original and an interesting character. So it had some good things in it. And, and also the way... Black Panther eventually in that kind of vision state, he goes against his ancestors and his father, doesn't he? Yeah. And he, and he decides to break the mold. Yeah, I liked that. But generally, I've got to say, I thought it was contrived. I thought it was um, the general level of acting wasn't as high as it should have been. The effects, as I said, ropey um, at times. The climax, a little bit of a disappointment. And um, I just thought on aggregate, it wasn't up to the... it. it it was exactly of the quality that I thought it might be in danger of being when I saw the trailer. That was how it come across to me. And I, I'm, I'm not being harsh. I didn't sit down with any kind of a, an agenda when watching that film. I didn't think to myself, some of my pals have told me they like this film. It's made $1.2 billion. Therefore, I'm going to be the one who sits down and trashes it. I know you get reviewers out there that do that. They take a counterpoint position to get hits on the YouTube channel or, or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not built that way. I sat down completely neutral, watch this film. And yeah, I, I didn't like it. Wow. <laughs> you are literally the first person I've come across who didn't like it. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people out there who like it a little bit too much, who are a little bit too over enthusiastic about it. And that's mainly because, and I can say this as a as a black man, the 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 um, the novelty of having an all black cast, which I feel is wrong to judge it based on that. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it's actually one of the better Marvel movies. Um, I agree with you that Chadwick Boseman played T'Challa the Black Panther is not the best thing about this movie. I think the strongest contributors to the movie or the strongest characters in the movie are all the women. All the women. They outshine the men. Michael B. Jordan's brilliant in it. Um, and I thought it was a very interesting antagonist. The fact that I actually got understood what motivated him and to an extent agreed with him i felt that was very challenging and yeah i, I just I, I can ignore all that <laughs> um i think michael b jordan's character his lineage and his motivation it worked it made sense and he he's to you know what he's always excellent i don't think i've ever seen him in a film where he's been less than excellent um it's not that i'm ignoring it I, I get it, but the message of the film is almost that the ending where it's like, Do you know what, let's get up, let's take our wealth and our success and let's go and help black people in the ghetto. The reasons behind why ethnic minorities are so ghettoized in Western countries like America and the UK, progressively more and more in the UK as well, I'm afraid to say, mm. um, the, the sort of 
socioeconomic and political and racial reasons behind that are so much more complex. I, to, for a film to be trying to teach me a lesson saying, look how great the Wakandan people are because they're going to go and help their brothers who are in need in the ghettos of America. That's just so like, that's for babies for me personally, that kind of message. I, Hollywood's struggled to make movies probably because they just don't get greenlit, which properly explore the exploitation of ethnic minorities um, in countries like the US. Occasionally you'll get a filmmaker who basically says F you to everyone else and he goes what he does and he puts through a, a, a message like for example um, Django, yeah? The Tarantino movie. Yeah. I know that's got a comic book kind of style about it. I know that it's over the top and I know that um, everything is is kind of exaggerated, hyper hyper real. Um, but Tarantino is using his comic kind of style to make a point about the horror, for example, of a way in the way African Americans were exploited during that era, which you don't really see too many filmmakers do. I know you had Twelve Years a Slave, and you had, you know, yeah, look, yeah, look, Twelve Years you, a Slave is. You, what I'm saying it's like Disney sort of giving us a film peddling simple answers to complex subjects and i just wasn't swallowing that mm, okay couple of points you're right django and chain does do that and even against the backdrop of um tarantino's very sort of over the top style it does make a point it makes a point on several levels um, about the horrors of slavery and the effects of slavery on black people themselves. For example, the character of Stephen, played by Samuel Jackson, who's essentially the uh, the house the house uh, Negro. Um, it's done very well, but it completely falls apart at the end, and and Tarantino pretty much undoes all of what he manages to do successfully at the beginning of the movie, or, the, or on the first two acts. It completely falls apart. And actually, I can pinpoint the moment Django and Chain falls apart. And that's the moment where Tarantino appears in the movie himself. Do you know then, what? Um, I know exactly what you mean, that he was making a complex film and in, at, for the climax he just decided, you know what, let's just blow shit up. I know that, that he's, that's, he's going to have done that. And it's almost like it's almost like in Inglorious Bastards where he shows the horror of the Nazis and then he just shows them being torn apart in the most comic book way and being disfigured and... Um, you know, filleted with a knife on their face and stuff like that. Um, so I, I, he often makes movies which kind of fall apart that don't really. Um, well, it's revenge ch- porn, isn't it? I think that's what he was trying to do. He did it with um, Inglorious, yeah, yeah. And and I, I, I would say it was revenge porn again to an extent in Django Unchanged. Uh, don't get me wrong, Django Unchained has a multitude of its own problems, but it's on a different level in terms of the conversations that it's trying to provoke in its audience. I just thought Black Panther was um, an opportunity to make probably what Disney thought was going to be seven or $800 million. It turned out to be almost double that because of the repeat 
um, attendance of the film, probably by a lot of young black people, which, which I've got no problem with. They found positive role models in that film and they were celebrating that film. And But by the way, Disney... Well, it, was the, not- it was the audience, it was the larger audience of older black people who wouldn't typically go to a Marvel movie. They were the ones who... Re- that's where the, the, the money came from. People, oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Okay, I, yeah, I did think of it that it's way. The people who wouldn't, who wouldn't ordinarily go to the cinema to see such movies. Um, I, I'm talking elderly people in some cases because of the hype. And it's quite funny because they go into it oblivious that this character has already been introduced in uh, Captain America Civil War. Okay. And I that... doubt that they've seen the Avengers Infinity War. I doubt that they know that Ch- T'Challa has returned. Even, but we'll talk about it later. So they've. That's, that's yeah. a good. Okay, that's a good point you make because I hadn't thought of it that way. I thought it was just repeat business from young people. But okay, what you say makes makes sense that they they managed to pull a demographic in that wouldn't usually go to the cinema. So okay, that that makes sense. But, but as, as positive as it is, it's still a relatively simple-minded film and Disney are in the background laughing all the way to the bank, in my opinion. Well, Disney laughing all the way to the bank, yeah, absolutely. But let's not forget that this is not a serious movie. This is a comic book movie. And this is the problem. The, the, the level of um, hyperbole, you know, that surrounds this makes us forget that this is a comic book movie in the same way that Captain America is a comic book movie, in the same way that Thor Ragnarok is a comic book movie. It's just that it so happens to be set against the backdrop of, let's say, the beginning, um, the opening scene, you know, you know, 92, uh, the LA riots, um, you know, Rodney King. Um, it's set against that backdrop. It does ask the question which even if they didn't talk about it if they didn't discuss it everyone everyone in the audience would ask well hold on a second if Wakanda's so um advanced why aren't they helping other black folk around the planet it asks the obvious question that we were going to ask anyway so I, I don't blame the film too much for going into that I just think people expect expect far too much from it um and I, you're criticizing I, it because of that which is fair enough but conversely it is the film is also unfairly praised for the very same reason yeah so there's a lot of people who praise the movie because they dig the culture and you know they're saying wakanda forever and they're talking about wakanda there's no country called wakanda there's no culture that's known as wakandan there is no wakandan clothing or you know it it it's it's all fiction yeah, it, it, it's a comic book that happens to have, well, happens to be set in a fictional African country, which is, you know, we see little nods to different types of African, because remember, Africa's a continent. That's the thing that Hollywood loves to forget as well. Africa's a continent made up of several, co- you know, yeah. <laughs> countries. So it's an, they present an amalgamation, don't they, of yeah. different African cultures? Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll be here, it'll be there. But at the end of the day, it's just a comic book movie and i'm judging it like that i'm not judging it as um a film that's set out to make some sort of um uh, social com- commentary I, th- I think um any I, I my primary criticisms my primary reasons for not liking the film my primary reasons are that i don't think it's a quality product in terms of the crafting of it and the writing of it okay uh, some of the plots contrived the the point I raised about um, how it's a bit simple-minded in terms of the way it's dealing with these uh, social issues, 
that's also uh, something I didn't like. But I will say this. Um, when you've got Disney and the distributors and whoever else who are so they're so quick to embrace all of the positive, quite heavy kind of sentiment out there about at last a film presenting a positive black role model. If, if they're going to be so quick to accept um, all that praise uh, about the subtexts and the the overarching kind of effect of a film like this on young minds, then they've got to be prepared to accept, even though it is just a, co- a comic book, based, a film based on a comic book, they've also got to be prepared to um, take uh, quite sort of, you know, laser pointed criticism of, of those same things um, and, and the contradictions and the simple mindedness of it. But no, my primary reasons for, for, for saying it's probably the worst Marvel movie yet is because I, I didn't think it was crafted well enough. I mean, the scene where they go to the casino, I thought I was watching Skyfall again. Oh, that was brilliant. Uh, How could yeah. you like, not like that entire sequence in well, well, they, it was Korea, wasn't it? Look, I know in the Marvel movies and, and well, in, in most movies, including Star Wars, I know they rip off Bond all the time, yeah? But they ripped off the casino sequence from, it is Skyfall, wasn't it? Where... Uh, Modo Dragon. I uh, barely remember Skyfall. Right down to the production value where it's all red and it's in Asia. I think in Skyfall they go to Macau. Um, is that in Taiwan or something? Oh, you I'm know being... you are right. It's Skyfall, isn't it? Thinking about it yeah, I, I can't. I'm being a bit ignorant in terms of where Macau is. But yeah, it's a casino which is kind of on top of a... a expanse of water isn't it it's being held up by like it's a wooden structure bond goes there in his tuxedo and he's got money penny walking around she's got an earpiece in hasn't she and they're talking to each other while they're walking in different parts of the casino it was a complete wholesale ripoff of uh, that scene from skyfall and then the car chase that um came after it it was it, it, it just looked like a cartoon there was no that was part of the fun that was a real fun comic book moment i love that sequence the sequence and it looked beautiful i think the the way that sequence would have been constructed in the script is fine the way it was executed i didn't like i just didn't buy the effects Mm, okay anyway we'll agree to disagree on that one um i don't think it's the weakest i i I still think probably the weakest out of all the marvel movies to date is most likely I'm going to say Ant-Man, but um, people will disagree with me there. I can understand why people would criticise that film, but I thought that was one of the most fun. Oh, it was fun. But if uh, I had to pick one, I'd say that. But anyway, oh, no, no, sorry, I tell a lie. It's Iron Man 3. Um, yeah, Iron Man 3 is right up there with one of being one of the worst. <laughs> oh, and neither of us have mentioned it, the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk, but I don't think we kind of count that anymore, do we? I, I like that. I've always yeah. liked that. But anyway, anyway, anyway. I, I think I'm the only person on the planet who really, really liked the Ang Lee Hulk. Everyone else hates that film. Yeah, Everyone. we're trying to erase that from our memory. But there my, you go. All my other pals, you, everyone on YouTube, on the internet, everyone hates that film. I, I think I'm the only person who likes it. I think it's a brilliant film. <laughs> that film has died a death. It doesn't even show it on TV anymore. It's just, yeah. Let's just forget about that one. You you might find it on ITV4 at about 2am. Um, <laughs> seriously, I, I, I think, 
you know the special effects in that film when the Hulk is in the underground sort of complex and then he escapes and the whole action sequence after that. I think the effects from that whole sequence still look excellent. Um, and, and I know that Ang Lee had, had a real hands-on influence on, on the effects. And uh, uh, But yeah, look, that's, that's, um, that's going to open up a whole can of worms so we don't need to talk about that film. But uh, let, let me also say, one of the things which probably... It was a shame... There weren't any cameos in that film, uh, apart from when the Winter Soldier turns up after the end credits, uh, Black Panther. And maybe just introducing, they could have introduced maybe a new character or something. I, I, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't have a bit more, you know, of the other Avengers or whatever just turning up. Or, or even if one of them had just turned up for a couple of sequences. Well, we were so, we were so, um, we were so close to Infinity War at that point. Um because I remember coming out of that being surprised that the um, realisation that Infinity War was only a matter of months away, um, that it was unnecessary. We knew it was coming. Yeah, what's Bucky doing? He seemed to be better. He seemed to be uh, cured. And that's all we need to know. So I was cool with that, to be honest with you. Um, but moving on to Infinity War. So, yep, the big one, the Avengers movie, the third one. Um, came out two weeks ago which is the big accumulation of 10 years 10 years of these marvel movies which you've got to give them credit for building up over 10 years getting us into getting well we we you know we're geeks we know the comics but getting mainstream audiences out there used to all the characters so that they can literally go to a movie like infinity war and be just thrown straight and that's what i loved about the movie it just began there was no sort of build-up it just threw you right in there it you know it, it started off at the where where thor ragnarok ended pretty much um, yeah it's um that, that is a serious achievement by kevin feig i think his name is uh, no doubt about it the fact that they've been releasing two films a year and for me personally the the diminishing marginal returns of seeing these characters in capers is starting to set in seriously now but the it's still good enough that I'm enjoying it. And the fact that the mainstream audience can't get enough of it. Yeah. They're releasing two films a year, basically, aren't they? You do the maths, you say 10 years, been about 19 films now. And, um, it is quite an achievement. And so, um, it, 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 and, and, and because of that, I, I think that, um, it, and I hate to bring it up again, but it just reminds us of how much of a travesty the Justice League movie was. And the fact that the DC cinematic universe, if you want to call it that, is a complete mess. Because you needed that build up to get the payoff from Infinity War. You needed the sort of 10 years of movies and to know the arcs of each of the characters and how they all came together. And... um you know the it, obviously it's based on the um the um the infinity gauntlet um the infinity gauntlet story from the comics uh thanos acquiring the infinity stones because he wants to wipe out pretty much i mean it's population control right he wants to wipe out half of civilization all life this is, this is not going to be a spoiler free discussion by the way right We're oh gonna... yeah oh yeah you know what right i'm going on the assumption that anyone who wanted to see this movie has seen this movie and you all just want to hear our opinions on this movie. So this spoiler alert, spoiler alert. But anyway, you should, that's not a spoiler. You know, if you watch any of the Marvel movies, Thanos is after the Infinity Stones. You know that. Um, and 
It. I mean, just just think how contrived uh, that uh, Steppenwolf nonsense. Want, what, what was he collecting in in, in uh, Justice League? Just just think, feel how much that that it's, didn't uh, work. He's collecting Rubik cubes, wasn't he? Um, those cuboid things. I, I can't even remember what they were called. Yeah, the, it's a real it's a real shame because my two favorite superheroes are in the DC universe: Superman and Batman. Yeah. So yeah, it's a shame. It's just a case of Warner Brothers looking at the money that was rolling in at Disney and thinking, me, 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 I want some of that. And they tried to, in a cat-handed way, as happens so often in Hollywood, that they've. They tried to jump on a bandwagon, and and they yeah they've screwed it up, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So um so so Infinity War. I love the way it started. Uh, it begins right at the end of Thor Ragnarok. Um, this is this uh, the Asgardians are um who are all on a who are all on a ship headed to Earth. Um, there's we we hear a, a distress call, and basically Thanos has um you know apprehended uh, the ship. Um, Thanos and his goons, the uh, the Black Order. Um, and they are after, um, oh gosh, which one is it? Well, they're after the Tesseract, aren't they? Yeah. Loki has it. Which one, which stone, which stone was that? Was that the, that's a space stone or the power uh, that, stone? The purple one? I don't remember. Oh gosh. I think it was a space stone. Yeah. It's the space stone and, oh, and Loki had it. And right from the beginning, you know, you know, the film, the film is two and a half hours. It's the longest out of all the Marvel movies, but it doesn't feel long. It just goes goes by blistering yeah, the pace pacing, the pacing's pretty good yeah you know you see you see um thanos and the hulk in a fight the hulk gets his ass kicked Loki, which i don't like you don't like that well the fight should have gone on for five minutes because the hulk gets stronger as he gets angrier right thanos sure sure he can he can beat the hulk up in a fight but not as quickly as that that fight should have gone on and on and it, it should have been like a huge opening to the film. I think they screwed up. They did that a couple of times in the film, to be fair, like um, uh, when Scarlett Johansson uh, gets the better of that, uh, the lady from, is it a Black Order, did you say? Thanos' uh, minions. And uh, she basically beats one of them up with a few kicks, which is... Approximate midnight. So they, they, yeah, they, they mismatched the powers like that in, in one or two scenes, but that, that's just a, a gripe, which I, I can, I can, you know, skip through those bits and still carry on watching the film and enjoy it. But it's worth mentioning anyway. So you didn't like the, um, um, uh, the fact that the Hulk well Bruce Banner basically can't Hulk out anymore because the Hulk got beat up so bad and that he just doesn't want to come out anymore. There's literally like Banner, there's a several moments of the movie where Banner deliberately tries to Hulk out to, I didn't like it for a couple of reasons. Number one is there was a trailer for that film which showed Hulk on Wakanda yeah. running through the field about to get into a fight. So that's actually a bit of a rip-off because one of the biggest things I like about the Marvel movies is seeing the Hulk in action. You know, my favourite bits in Thor Ragnarok was when the Hulk was around. Um, so I felt a bit shortchanged by that. You know, And listen, more Hulk, the more Hulk the better, not less Hulk. So... Um, the actual... well, you know where it's going, though, right? We're going to get Hulk in the, in, in the next one. I hope so. I hope that's what they've decided. Hmm. Yeah, we'll get Hulk. We'll get Hulk. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the film was the pacing was brilliant. Um, I I thought this was Thanos's movie. To be honest with you, um, Thanos's appearance. I mean, we've seen him in a few um, end credits scenes in various Marvel movies. I think the first two Avengers movies, he's just kind of like you know. 
gurning towards the camera or whatever but um he was in gardens of the galaxy briefly very underwhelming there you didn't i didn't really get the impression in that that he was pretty any 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 good as a sort of the big bad you know i didn't i didn't think much of him at all um uh, but i thought um just brolin in this was very good um i i liked the fact that he was complex i i kind of understood his motivation and admired his conviction <laughs> and and the whole relationship with gamora his daughter i, I love that i love how that played out yeah he um he was pretty good. The way he was rendered physically, the, the effects work on him was excellent. Actually, he even looked a bit like Josh Brolin, which which was which was great. And Josh Brolin's a good actor. I think yeah. he's got he's got a bit of menace about him. You wouldn't have thought it when he was you know beating up Sean Austin in the Goonies as his big brother. But um, he he was good. Um, I thought they could have made him more of a psychotic type because I just had a bit of trouble with. Um, believing that he really loved Gamora. Because when he sacrificed her and he managed to get that other Infinity Stone... The Soul Stone. The implication yeah. was that he really did love her. Um, and I was like, well, did did he, really? And if he didn't, then maybe he's not that much of a psycho. But then his motivation, which is a little bit like we've seen it so many times before, he wants to reset the universe because it's, there's too many people and too many resources, so he wants to kill half of them. I, th- I thought that was slightly weak. I'm not sure I, I enjoyed that motivation. I think they should have tweaked it. Well, he uh, saw the destruction of his own planet, didn't he? I mean, that that's what they say, and then that's that's what motivated him. I guess that's what. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. You know, you, you 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 can buy it, and he's the the biggest compliment I can pay to the people who did the effects for this film, which I believe were ILM. Um, is he had a Thanos had a screen presence. So every time he was on screen, you were a little bit frightened of him, weren't you? And um, that was an achievement. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. all CG. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's funny. Just look back. I don't know how, when last time you watched Gardens of the Galaxy, watch the first Gardens of the Galaxy, watch that again and, and look at the scenes that Thanos is in in, the, in that movie and the CG is terrible. They hadn't quite figured it out yet. But it's, it's interesting to see. Right. No, that is interesting. I, I think um, I must say um, before we go on that there is a fundamental problem with the Infinity War, which um, the Star Wars movies, the spin-offs, Rogue One, and the upcoming Solo movie will have in that. Um, and also, which you also got, for example, with the Clone Wars cartoon that used to be on TV, um, where inherently there's no real suspense because we're going to get a, um, <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to get a Guardians of the Galaxy Part Three. We already know that. We're going to get a Black Panther Part Two. We already know that. So, um, when the climax happens, Spider Man. That's been announced as well. Spider Man. Absolutely. absolutely. So we're going to we're going to talk about the climax. So we're talking, we're talking about the Rapture. Okay. But but <laughs> yeah, there's no real suspense there because we know they're all coming back somehow, right? We look. Yeah, we know that. We know that, and. We we know that in two ways. We know that because we pay attention to the announcements that Marvel make, and we know that the fact that there are sequels to um, the franchises involving many of the characters who have died or disappeared, because basically, we're going to hear the says, Thanos wins. He, he acquires all the Infinity Stones, he snaps his fingers as he does in a comic, and half of life disappears gets caught up in the rapture 
to but it's worth mentioning. Reference. It's worth mentioning the lack of suspense because it's an inherent problem when you're translating something like this, a property, a franchise, a continuing franchise like this, into cinematic installments rather than a TV series. It's an inherent problem. It's worth pointing out, you know. Like, like, yeah, lack of suspense. But as I say, we know that these sequels are coming out. The casual moviegoer may not be aware of that. The casual moviegoer probably doesn't even know that there's a second part to this, which is due out next year. Um, I can certainly attest that the, the little child behind me who started crying when Spider-Man died. Yeah, that was heartbreaking, man. I mean, seriously, suspense or not, that was heartbreaking. Dying in Tony's arm, Tony Stark's arms. That was that was Optimus. That was worse than Optimus Prime dying. The kid, I'll tell you, the kid behind me. Uh, you are, you ask him. He he was he was in floods of tears. Ah, oh. and then when Groot died, ah, oh. well, Groot died twice now. Let's think of it. But yeah, yeah, it, it's it, and and, and it's funny because I, I I joked earlier on about um, the reaction to Black Panther from the black community and from parts of the black community, and I can say this with authority as a black man that it was a little bit over the top and i haven't heard any uproar of the fact that they killed off the black panther <laughs> which right. proves my point that they haven't seen this movie a lot of the people who went to see black panther have not seen it, aren't even aware that he's in this movie that's an interesting point so otherwise you'd hear something right you either hear a few jokes you see if you read a few memes i'm sure there'd be a joke about oh, always killing the black guy you know the joke in, about hollywood movies no one said anything which proves my point they haven't seen this they don't know he's in it but um yeah and it's, it's interesting how everyone vanished apart from the original avengers i think if you noticed that the, the, oh, um, I didn't. no i didn't yeah it's all the original avengers and um what's his name don Cheadle. Rody, War Machine, yeah. he's still there. Um, everyone else is gone. But then, yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Um, the other thing, and this is just because I'm a geek. Uh, as soon as the lights came up and the film would finish, I sat there and I was like, "Yeah, but I know they're, they're still going to win because the whole reason why Doctor Strange let the um, yeah. saved Iron Man's life to to give up that Infinity Stone is because he's he knows." the one permutation they need to unfold in order to win. And it's and this one. And it, so, some, it somehow involves Tony Stark. Yeah. Because he asked Thanos to spare his life. Yeah, so that's also, for me, that's just an observation. You know, I, I, I kind of, at the end of the film, I thought, oh, it's got to be. I mean, if there's only a one in 14 million chance, and obviously Doctor Strange has seen it, then he's going to help steer them towards that permutation, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and, and okay, so... Um, yeah, we know that Doc, we know that Strange saw something. I don't know how obvious that was supposed to be to your typical member of the audience. Probably, um, probably, probably not, right? Yeah, it's just I'm, I'm a bit of a geek. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we've seen enough episodes of Star Trek um, where you know they're working out things about eventualities and multiple universes or. or something that Q's done to the continuum. We've seen enough episodes to know that they're going to find the way to fix it. Well, they got the time. They, the, all they need is a time stone. You know, with the time stone, you can reverse, just like Thanos did when, um, um, oh gosh, what's her name? The Olsen girl. Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. When yeah, Scarlet got... Witch dis- um, took out, well, killed, sacrificed um, Vision just to destroy the stone, the, the mind stone that he, he has. Um right. 
and then Thanos just shows up and just reverses time at the time stone and, and takes the, the mind stone for himself. So I would be a, a little bit heartbroken when Vision got in inverted commas killed. Yeah. Um, because the relationship between him and Scarlet Witch, um, like when they're, they've been you know, in Scotland or whatever for a year, haven't they, or something, um, I actually, it works. It works really well because you've basically got two freaks and they found each other. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's straight from the comics anyway, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just I, I didn't think they'd realise it this well on screen. It's probably got something to do with the fact that both of those actors, Paul Bettany and um, oh, I can't remember her Elizabeth, first name, Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen, right? Yeah. No apologies. I should remember her name. She's she's a good actress, and she's hot. Um, they, <laughs> they, um, they they did a really good job. Those two, and you really kind of feel for them when they're about to um, when they when they when they when they're you know the two Starcross lovers, aren't they? And, and they're they're in this remote part of the world, or certainly to an American, it's probably a remote part of the world, right? It's uh, Scotland. Um, <laughs> yeah, how exotic! <laughs> I, I think there was even a sticker in the window behind one of them, which said "Deep Fried Mars Bar" or something. Yeah, there was. Not yeah. Kidding, it wasn't. Um, and then obviously, when they get into jeopardy and they they get into that fight, you really don't want them to get killed. You don't. You really don't want Vision to get hurt because you feel for them, don't you? That's right. And, and then obviously when you see Captain America's silhouette, it's not quite it's one of the, the great moments in the film, isn't it? Yeah, like that it's... and Thor's entrance on Wakanda. Uh, brilliant. I mean, I'll go ahead and admit, when when Thor turned up and said, Bring me Thanos or whatever he yeah. says, I'll, Bring I'll... me Thanos. Yeah. yeah I'll, I have to admit, I almost lost my shit at that point. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I honestly, this movie. Um so yeah, they can reverse things, we know that. And it's it, I, I think one surprising thing about the, the rapture and the deaths is that everyone was assuming that either Captain America or Iron Man would bite the dust simply because contracts come into an end. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans. Not so much Robert Downey Jr. because he owns an absolute fortune. This has set him up for life probably twice over. Chris Evans has said he's fed up, he's done. You know, um, So we were assuming that one of the older characters have been playing you know in their role for for 10 years now would be the ones who bite the dust but no it's all the new ones i was i was convinced that when iron man was fighting thanos that he was going to be killed yeah i was convinced and i was i was surprised it didn't happen he, i mean he might still um we haven't there was no hawkeye or ant-man i think that was explained in a throwaway line that um uh, they, were, they were both under house arrest that's part of the deal um after they were arrested at the end of um civil war right and we know that i mean obviously i think that they have survived i can imagine something like you know uh, hawkeye's got this you know he's got this idyllic life he's got his wife and his kids obviously we'll see him in the next one his wife probably fades away and he wants revenge whatever um ant-man we've already seen that we know that the um, ant-man and the wasp which is out in july in the states and we don't get it until august because of the world cup i think um but we're going to be completely spoiled by then takes place around the same time and then we see so we see we we, in the trailer we see we see various things so so we we, one one can assume that those two are okay um but everyone else is gone um in terms of the next movie which is out next year there's been some um leaked um 
um, photos from from you know on, on, from from on location when they've been shooting. And what they've done is apparently they've recreated the Battle of New York from the first Avengers movie. So right. you see them in their sort of original costumes and you know the beard's gone from Chris Evans and that sort of thing. And so I, I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they are, they are doing something that involves turning back time. That would imply that they are. Um, but yeah. But then, you know what? I thought the first Avengers film was still the best one. Yeah, um, I thought Age of Ultron was um, a step down, and I don't think Infinity War was as good as um, the first one. Really? Is uh, that the first one on steroids? Isn't it? Um, no, because in the first one you had the novelty of all the characters meeting for the first time, and you had a lot of Hulk and the Battle of New York. I don't think they bettered that with the climax in this film. I don't think they did. But uh, what I did like is that rather than repeating a trick where Avengers Assemble, which I think that's what it was called in the UK, right? I think in America it might have just been called the Avengers. Yeah, it was just called the Avengers in America, yeah. Um, I like how it's kind of a, a planet um, kind of spanning film, that Avengers Assemble, where they uh, it's, it's, it's set on Earth, right? But they were brave enough with Infinity War to make it an intergalactic almost kind of deal where they're going from planet to planet. I like that. It kind of had the feel of like a Star Wars or something or, or a real kind of hardcore comic book, you know, where they don't just set like 60% of it on Earth. Like, for example, the stupid Michael Bay Transformers movies. You know, the majority of them are set on Earth and the majority of the action involves humans rather than Transformers. Whereas, you know, there's a complete lack of bravery when they do stupid stuff like that. Whereas in, in, in Infinity War, you know, they were, they were properly moving story along going yeah. from this planet to that planet and, and that was great and it made it all the more epic and that's actually one of the things i was worried about when because because the, the infinity war infinity war parts one and two they were originally announced a, a long time ago in fact and i was thinking how are we going to get from where we are at that point in time to having the likes of rocket raccoon running around on on, on screen with iron man and i mean that's that's what i thought you know, and they've managed to pull it off. They brought in the Guardians of the Galaxy, and 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 they've integrated very well, I think, with the the more um, earthly heroes. Let's just say, um, and because that they pulled that off so successfully, you can have something so epic that jumps from planet to planet, and I think it worked pretty well. Yeah, uh, I think it didn't. Yeah, and, and and I was surprised by how good. The banter was between Thor and Rocket Raccoon. Oh, that was and, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was really good. And and then also, I think they were making a joke out of the fact that Chris Pratt has put on quite a bit of weight. If you look at him in this movie compared to Guardians of the Galaxy Part One, yeah. Um, I think the poor guy's maybe his, his weight's fluctuated in real life. I mean, it might have something to do with this. I think his marriage. He's married to Anna Faris, isn't he? From Scary Movie. Um, I think they're unfortunately they they they've separated, which yeah, is always I've heard that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, They've got a kid together, the two of them. So that's always sad when the family breaks up. So obviously, sad to hear that. But um, I think he, I think he's actually put on weight in real life. I don't know if it was because of a role in another film or something. I don't know. But they they spent a whole big scene making jokes about his weight gain, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but he was good, Star Lord, and um, he uh, when he's trying to imitate Thor. I mean, that was great. I, th- I thought the bit where. Um, uh, Dave Batista, uh, can't remember the character's name now. When he's doing that thing about standing still and being invisible, I thought that joke fell flat to me. I didn't find it funny, but um, 
pretty much all the other humor works. <laughs> well, he's um, yeah, 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 yeah. He um, no, he was good in it as well. I, I mean, I enjoyed the Guardians. I, it, it was very it was, there was a lot of the Guardians of the Galaxy in 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 this movie actually more than I thought. In fact, um, but they are insanely popular, and the two yeah, Guardians, yeah so it, I know that the Guardians. I know the Guardians of the Galaxy predates A New Hope, but you do realise the first movie is a remake of A New Hope. Yes, basically. yes, yes. I think yeah. I said that before, didn't I? Yeah. Um, I won't go into why, but it, it really is. Um, In so, many ways, yeah. So yes. many movies are. Oh, and while we're on that subject, um, Battle of Naboo, anyone? I mean, Fireman. <laughs> oh, Wakanda. Yeah, that's Wakanda. what I thought. Yeah, yeah, Battle of Naboo. And and obviously very much Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi in the fact that you had three or four or five different things happening at once, but they were all leading to the same. Yeah, that's yeah, that's of a war, and it was pure. That's a Lucasism. Yeah, it's amazing. It's forty years later or whatever, and they're still bloody remaking George Lucas's movies. You know, <laughs> it shows you the influence of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean the Battle of Wakanda, I felt could have been a little bit longer. Um, I won't fault it too much because Thor's, gosh, Thor's appearance was epic. I love that. Um, but we could have had a bit more time, and we probably would have had a bit more time. I think it was a case of Disney Marvel had no idea how successful Black Panther would be. I didn't think that they would, that they thought it would be as successful as it was, and. You know, it, it, it was um, Infinity Wars in production at the same time as Black Panther. And I, I figure that if there was a little bit more t- time between the movies in terms of when production started, you would now, knowing that Black Panther was a success, you'd have a lot more T'Challa in it and there'd be a lot more Wakanda in it, I think. I think that makes a lot of sense, yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I just sort of speculating when Vision gets killed. I'm sure that... Um, Charles' sister, she uh, she uploaded his uh, soul, didn't she, to the Wakanda cloud? Let's be honest. When she was um, <laughs> when, when she was uh, uh, working out a way to try and separate him from the uh, Infinity Stone, we know that's how he survived. Come on, you know they they spent so long talking about it. Like the banner actually turns around and says, "Wait a minute." So you're not- assuming she's still there? I think she is still there, isn't she? Sure, no, she is. Um, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they've got disaster recovery sites and redundancy and all this, this sort of stuff. No matter how big that war was, I'm sure they've still got all their data saved in the cloud somewhere, and that will include uh, Vision, I'm sure. So he'll, he'll, that's probably how he comes back. But uh, again, that's just me geeking out while I was watching it. I'm not trying to spoil it for anyone. <laughs> I mean, I've got... I might be wrong, of course. I mean, the answers are there. I mean, I, it, it's if you want to know what happens to everyone, because this happens in the comics, the answer's... The answer is out there in the comics. Whether they follow that that mm. um, that 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 arc or not, I don't know. But that you know, the heroes do return. But there are some deaths I think that are irreversible. I think Loki's gone for starters. I mean, that's right at the beginning yeah. of the movie. I think anyone anyone pre finger snap is gone, and that includes uh, Zoe Zandala. I think. So she won't be in Guardians 3? I don't think she will be. Unless Thanos does something and to bring her back and undoes everything. I don't know. Because she's going to be busy filming about a dozen Avatar sequels, right? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, so good opportunity to write her out. I don't know. 
Mm-mm. Well, I don't know. Maybe that might even have had something to do with it. Who knows? Because <laughs> did she sign her contract with Cameron before the the Guardians of the Galaxy Part One? Who knows? Yeah, she probably yeah, did. Yeah, that was that was yeah that was two thousand nine. Um, Avatar. That was when it was released. Anyway. God, incredible. And Cameron's been shooting these sequels and prequels and God knows what for ages. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, we'll be old men by the time Avatar 2 comes out, but there you go. I've been busy interviewing George Lucas, among others. Um, you, you, you drew, drew my attention to that TV series on... Uh, the story of science fiction, yeah. On, on the AMC network in America. Yeah, I, I might have to give that a watch. That looks pretty good. That is good. That's, uh, I'm enjoying that. And uh, the third episode should be available now. I need to pick that up. Thanks for reminding me. But um, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, there are, there are other cool moments in this movie. There's loads of cool moments. Like I, I, I like the Red Skull cameo. I like love that. Yeah, the fact that that's that's what happened to him after he touched the um, uh, the what's it called? Uh, space Stone. Is it the Space Stone he touched? Yeah. Yeah. He's basically been uh, banished to the Phantom Zone, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's cursed, and he has to guard another stone, and he can't touch it because he's not worthy. So. So he's kind of tortured in that way. And I like that. Um, we talked about Thor and the Battle of Wakanda. Um, I just like the banter between Tony Stark and Doctor Strange. Love that. Yep. I loved... Um, oh, gosh, there's so many good things about it. I love that kind of girl power moment we had in uh, Wakanda briefly. Black Widow, Okoyo, and uh, Scarlet Witch. I loved all of that. I just I just loved the movie. I just thought it was brilliant. I had a smile on my face all the way through it, apart from when Spider-Man died. I was sad then. Yeah, but, um, yeah, when Spider-Man dons his nanotechnology suit, um, I mean, I think nerds across the world probably got a hard on. And um, when uh, when Iron Man dons his nano suit, you know, stuff, little things like that. I mean, I'm the kind of person every time I see Spider-Man in a new suit, I love it. You know, um, we're not going to see him in his black outfit, obviously, in, in these films, uh, but I'm sure we might do in one of his own movies, or in fact, maybe when he makes a cameo in the Venom sequel or whatever. But um, you're right. It was, it, it's, it's an imperfect film, which, as I said, the diminishing marginal returns have set in in terms of the pleasure you get from seeing these characters in these capers. But there's still enough there, and they're still good enough at what they do in the people making these films that they know how to give us pretty much what we want. And just credit to them, because there's so many people in Hollywood who don't know what they're doing. So Kevin Feige and all the people who work with him, the guys who directed this movie, uh, two of them, wasn't it? Um, credit to them. The Russo know, brothers, yeah. yeah. The Russo brothers, yeah. They, they, credit, credit, to, credit where it's due. Yeah, yeah. They've done, they've done a good job. Um, so where do you think they're going with this? So we get the, the um, after after this, after, after the movie, we got the... Um, post-credit scene with uh, Sam Jackson is back as uh, Nick Fury and basically disappears but before he disappears he manages to page Captain Marvel because we see the little Captain Marvel emblem on some pager and we know Captain Marvel she has a movie which is um, out in March next year so I think the um, the event the next Avengers movie is out in May next year so yeah it'll be just before then and it's set in the 90s Sam Jackson's in it as Nick Fury I don't know much about Captain Marvel, the character. I know she's kind of like got Superman level of power, I think. Yeah, well, that, that makes two of us because uh, I, I need to confess as well. I, I never read a Captain Marvel comic as a kid. Um, I don't remember there being any TV series spin off. 
or spun off, I should say. I don't remember seeing any modern comics of her until very recently, but then I, they weren't comics that I bought. So I'm one of, I had to you know, go onto the, the Marvel wiki just to see what her powers were, and she's pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. So, again, I'm not sure how they're going to pull that one off, but I don't know. After the, after the Captain Marvel movie comes out, maybe we'll be prepped and ready for this character. And, and, and I mean, I hope she doesn't just sort of waltz in and save the day. I hope they don't go down that route. Um, or maybe she's not in the next movie at all. Maybe the, the, the end credit scene just serves as a sort of a um, to whet your appetite for the movie, for the Captain Marvel movie, which is set in the past. Well, I hope she doesn't. I hope she's in this Infinity War Part Two, but yeah, she shouldn't come in and just save the day. She should have a significant contribution, um, and I hope they don't screw up the movie that they're making, which you say comes out in March. I think Brie Larson is it playing Captain Marvel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want anyone to save the day apart from the original. I mean, the original Avengers are left. I want those those guys to sort things out. That's how yeah. I wanted to go. Yeah, and it should be a collaborative thing, shouldn't it? Where it's, it's a brain's trust kind of thing where it's not just one... Because they almost did it, didn't they? If it weren't for Star-Lord throwing a wobbly because when he found out Gamora had been killed, they would have done it anyway. Yeah. So um, I think some kind of collective effort like that would uh, would be great. Um, do you know what? You, you mentioned earlier, uh, Robert Downey Jr., how he's made, a, he's, he's made probably about as much money as the public deficit of a small country, hasn't he? Um in terms of the uh, the wages he's earned from this, he's, he's made ungodly art. amounts of money. Do you know? Um, apparently, he made. Uh, I read this actually online. What did he make? He made. Where are we? Is that because he's got profit participation as well as his fee? I that I don't know. Because obviously, I doubt he would have had that arrangement in place when he first signed up to play Iron Man. Because Iron Man, who would have thought Iron Man would be a hit, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but Iron Man is probably the most popular one now and all the 12-year-old kids out there love Iron Man. So we want to hold on to him. I understand that. Pay him what you need. Yeah, he got a massive fee for the second and an even bigger paycheck for the third one. But I do wonder, I mean... He... He's also probably the best actor out of all of those do, actors. Do you know I mean, how much he made? Actually, I'm just reading now. Do you know how much he made for for his just just for his role in uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming? And he wasn't in it much of it at all. Go on. Ten mil. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, puts into context just how much money fifty million was back when Jack Nicholson got it in '89 for uh, Batman. Yeah, that was that was considered insane back then. Yeah. 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 Um, but. Uh, do you know what? It came out in the news a couple of days ago, didn't it, that Stan Lee is actually suing um, Pow Entertainment, which is a company I think he helped set up because they swindled him out of money. You know, the other day I think I googled Stan Lee net worth and it only said like $50 million. Really? And I, yeah, and, and I thought, hang on, haven't the Marvel movies made like about 15 to $20 billion in revenue? Shouldn't this man be worth at least a billion? Nah. No, the, all all the profits stay out of his hands. I mean, he he'd and he'd only really make money in terms of um, well, if you're thinking before. So, when was Marvel Studios set up? 
before Disney acquired Marvel Studios. It would have been the mid noughties I, I guess. Right. So before then, who was um, who who was basically producing and distributing these movies? Which studio? Uh, Universal distributed the the Ang Lee Hulk, I think. Right. So it, it's all about the rights. It's all about the studio acquiring the rights. Um, and that's the money that Stanley would have made, which wouldn't be that much money at all. So you're telling me he doesn't get royalties or profit participation of any kind? I would imagine that royalties are are counted for uh, when you sell the rights, I would imagine. So, so if he doesn't have shares in Disney or Marvel or something, if he is literally only worth $50 million, that's a disgrace. He should be worth at least a billion, shouldn't well, he? Well, you do the deal, you do the deal. Well, I guess so. That's probably what it comes down to. But yeah, he was in the news, I think, a couple of days ago. He's, um, his lawyers are suing someone else who helped set up Power Entertainment. And uh, I mean, he's quite quite old anyway now. He's in his 90s. And obviously, he's got his little cameo. Always good to see him um, making a cameo in these movies. But I uh, hate to think he's been swindled. But I, I think that's just the reality of... Um, I mean, if you think people in certain industries and corporations are slimy, um, I think people in entertainment are probably, uh, they take the biscuit from some stories I've heard. I mean, think at a time that, you know, the rights were sold, no one would have known that these movies would be so massive. No one would have known that audiences would tolerate comic book characters for 10 years. No one would know that at all. Yeah, but he still have had the foresight to... um, to keep kind of profit participation or royalties, it, 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 it seems as though he he did not. So he's either badly advised or he's just made a bad business decision himself. But yeah, oh, we don't know. We don't know the extent of, of 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 whatever deal he has. We don't know that. So he might have stock in Disney now. I don't know. I doubt yeah. it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I doubt it too. Um, but yeah, it just shows you how shrewd George Lucas is. Oh yeah, <laughs> he gets paid either way. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, yeah, I mean, that's about it. All I've got to say about Infinity War. Um, yeah, so, I mean, just one final thing, though. So, um, Can I just also say, before you, you finish up on, on Infinity War, um, it was quite derivative of Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? I don't know if the original graphic novel, the, the six-issue series that came out in the 90s, whether the, the people who wrote that, I think Jim Starlin, George Perez, and Joe Rubenstein whether they were into Lord of the Rings heavily, but, you know, collecting the rings and then one ring to rule them all. And then, you know, the, the bad guys, their army being composed of uh, very disposable kind of creatures, basically as their soldiers. Um, you, you, when you, when those same things pop up in these Avengers movies, it, it is very, I mean, we mentioned this derivative of Star Wars, sort of been derivative of, of Lord of the Rings. I'm not a massive Lord of the Rings fan, by the way, but we should mention it because whenever you get a successful movie um, and it has quite obviously been derivative of things that have gone before it, it's always worth mentioning that because it, almost as if to prove this isn't a complete original. You know, hey, I know, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, we, we know the Marvel comics and the DC comics, you know, from the, the 20s right through to the modern day, they've influenced filmmakers, of course. So it's a little bit like you can have a conversation, a debate about this, like the chicken and the egg. I know that, but um, certainly Star Wars and then Lord of the Rings kind of did it 
first and and marvel have certainly taken a whole load of cues from those movies not to mention james bond so um as i've said before i enjoy these movies as a series um they are not truly great cinematic movies you know in my opinion nowhere near but as big budget installments in a long series i'm loving it you know partly because i'm watching a lot of them on the small screen Obviously, the small screen is quite a big screen these days. We've all got big LED TVs. Um, and then, obviously, I'll, I'll watch the odd one at the cinema, and, and that's enough of a payoff for me. But um, the, I just want listeners to know, I just want to make the statement, I guess, I want the words to come out of my mouth, that I do not think these are great movies. They are maybe kind of great cinematic events, yep. and they really push the nostalgia button, but they are not great film. I mean, if my I was to read off my favorite 10 movies of all time, you know, Goodfellas, Blade Runner. Chinatown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah the, These are not anywhere near the best that cinema has to offer. No, but, no, so. no. These, these are great events and, we, we, you know, which which have their own value. I mean, it's a, I mean, Infinity Wars is a big, big event movie. Um, it's captured a lot of people's imagination. You know, there, there's all sorts of references now, like, you know, the whole Rapture thing fading away is now part of pop cultures today i've seen the memes i've seen the jokes etc and that's fun and that's a lot of fun um and it, and and it's a blast you know i had fun i'm there i'm there with my uh i'm there with my 11 year old boy and i feel like i'm 11 years old watching this film with him so um it's a blast long may it continue um it's a real shame what's happened with dc but what can you do that um that's what happens when you play catch up and you then you try to rush it um but let's let's park things there in terms of infinity war um looks like we both enjoyed the movie we have very different opinions on black panther but we'll we'll leave it there i want to talk about well actually i don't want to talk about it there's a movie coming out next weekend which i said i'm not going to watch and i'm still not going to watch and i'm wondering if you're going to watch it bronson and that's solo a star wars story uh well i've been quite annoyed by the reviews which have started to filter out because it's always the same, isn't it? With especially with these Star Wars movies, but usually with any Disney film these days, you get in inverted commas sneak reviews of preview screenings, people who've come out of the very first screenings, and the tweets are always the same. Oh, Re- like uh, but the last year that was the greatest Star Wars movie ever made. I've been yeah. strikes back, yeah. Yeah, brilliant film. Not the greatest ever. A real thrill ride. You'll love it. They're always the same inane comments. And then all the reviews have all been four star. Because I think it got screened at the Cannes Film Festival a couple of days ago. It did, yeah. All the reviews have come back four star. And today in the Metro, the free London newspaper, it, it, it was given three out of five stars. And yet, when I read the review, every single sentence was positive. Well, I don't know, you know. I've seen some bad ones. For example, okay, do tell because I haven't. Okay, um, Business Insider, don't ask. Solo, a Star Wars story, is the worst Star Wars movie in the Disney era, critics say, as their article. Um, some USA magazine here saying Solo is the worst, and I, I and I disagree with this because I like I like Attack of the Clones, but it says Solo is the worst Star Wars movie since Attack of the Clones, according to critics. Yeah. I think it's just it's got fundamental problems which we've talked about already. Uh, all the nine right doesn't look like Harrison Ford. He's actually sh- a lot shorter than Harrison Ford. Um, I'm sure it's. I mean, Ron Howard 
the, the guy, for example, who directed Willow, he's a good director. He can direct an adventure film. I mean, he did the uh, those silly um, movies about the, uh, the Holy Grail. Um, I can't remember what they're called now. You know, with Tom Hanks and that stupid wig. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the movie where Tom Hanks at one point goes, we've got to get to a library. I don't think I'd ever heard that in a Hollywood thriller before, rushing off to a library. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's a good director, Ron Howard. Um, the thing you know, is, though, he was, remember, he was brought in, this, is, this doesn't necessarily come from Ron Howard, he was brought in to save this movie. Yeah, this he movie was a fine actor. Yeah. I, I get that. And But the point I was about to make is, he's probably come in and he's done what's required. He's, he's, shot, he's reshot certain scenes and he's probably made them light and fun and breezy enough to work in, within the structure of the type of film Disney probably envisioned, which was a breezy adventure caper film. That's probably what this is. And I, I don't, you probably remember, I said in a previous podcast, I'm sure our listeners will remember that I'm treating it as a Star Wars spin-off, a lot like I would treat a, a Star Wars cartoon or a Star Wars Marvel reprint, which, you know, from the 80s. Um, and, and in that way, I, I, know, I know I will like and enjoy the film, but it's still going to have all the fundamental flaws that we've talked about before with Disney Star Wars movies. And um, on that basis, you're right. We should vote with our feet on this one and not go to see it. Because if we keep paying the money to see these things at the cinema, they're going to keep making them. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's got to that point where, yeah, I'll probably stay away. And I, I'm just fed up with seeing the same thing. You know, I am bored of seeing the Millennium Falcon, I am bored of seeing Chewbacca, I'm bored of seeing A New Hope again and again and again and again, and this is what it is. And I've heard three POs in this, don't ask how, but I've heard he's in it, I've heard, you know, The Empire, I'm tired of it. I, you know, I'm tired of it, and I, I, I was going to ask you, and I think you just said you're not going to see it, <laughs> I was going to ask you if you're going to see it, because I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not going to see it. Unless something drags me out and insists on... No, I don't think I'll see it. So I'm relying on you, if you're going to see it, to give give me some feedback. Or to give us some feedback. Let us know how it is. Well, some of the effects in the trailer looked really good. I mean, that train, where they're obviously trying to... You know, it's a bit of a sort of a, a play on the scene from the classic Western where um, roguish mavericks are... Uh, jumping on top of a freight train to steal the cargo that scene which they've obviously got because you see it in the trailer don't you that kind of monorail thing yeah. track, that looked excellent i mean the effects look good but that's just not enough to drag me out and pay whatever to watch a movie at the cinema uh, ridiculous prices um i mean my local cine world for some reason charges two or three pounds more than my local Vu cinema and i've got no idea why <laughs> why it, it doesn't it doesn't have better facilities uh, you know it doesn't have bigger screens doesn't have better sound systems so i've got no idea why but um for, for what the cinema is these days the money that you pay and the, the quality of the product no i think you gotta vote with your feet sometimes absolutely absolutely um so i think you think reviews have been positive there's probably been a few plants out there you know um, but I think generally they've been mixed and I am not confident that audiences in the UK are going to give a damn. They're very wise to release this thing just before. 
before the World Cup starts. Yeah, I I I I can't see it doing terribly well. well. I think you, you said that you think the film's going to flop and because, there's, for example, there's going to be no Vader in any of the marketing for this film because he's not in it. Well, I don't think he's well, in I it. I don't think he's in it, no. Hmm. No, never know with Disney. But um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of money it does. I mean, look, Marvel movies, I mean, I mentioned Doctor Strange, which is terrible. It still made about six or $700 million uh, globally, I think. So I think Rogue One made more than a billion I think Disney would want the Han Solo movie to be doing the kind of business, for example, that Black Panther did, you know, um, at reaching those numbers for different reasons, probably, you know, w- it wouldn't be because they managed to grab a wide demographic. They probably expect a certain amount of repeat business from hardcore Star Wars fans. But um, you think it was it's going to be a flop. I think there's going to be a certain number of stay away fans and it might only do. Doctor Strange type business, I think six or seven hundred million. If it if it gets up to eight hundred million, I think they'll be delighted. Um, I can't see it going over a billion. Um, I, I certainly hope people have enough sense to stay away because it's um, it's a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an insult, really, in in certain ways. The, the film look, the way the film looks, the guy they've cast as the lead, so and, so, and as you say, the same motifs. You know, Chewbacca, Tie Fighters whatever you know yeah boring um yeah yeah you know people there there is the the, i i think with general mainstream audiences not 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 the uh the diehard fans there is there's already star wars fatigue so i i think it will it will do lower numbers based on that and also, with the diehard fans, there's a lot of disgruntled ones who are still feeling the pain from when they were burnt uh, by The Last Jedi, which has uh, recently been released on Blu-ray, etc., etc., digital release, whatever. And that's just a stinging reminder of how bad that movie was. And well, I, I'm actually... Do you remember I said to you I had a physical reaction to that film? which I'd never had before. I was literally sitting in the cinema watching it, shaking with just how angry and confused I was by how bad the film was. I was, so, I was, I was actually so traumatized by that film, that even though there's a copy lying around my house somewhere of that film, <laughs> I don't want to watch it. I haven't watched it. I've told my family members who haven't seen it yet to not watch it. They haven't watched it. And these people are all hardcore Star Wars fans. Well, not hardcore, but they're big Star Wars fans. I'm obviously relatively hardcore and seriously, I was traumatized by it to the point where I don't, I, I don't, I do not want to see, you know, Mark Hamill with that queasy expression on his face, a complete misrepresentation of that character, Luke Skywalker and all the other crap. I just, I really just don't want, if, if I'm, if I'm going to put it on at all, I'll just watch the scene where Yoda's in it just for, just for a laugh. I'll watch the uh, throne room scene where Kylo Ren and, uh, Ray are fighting, and, and then that's about it. I won't watch the rest of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So solo, you you may or may not see it. I'm definitely not going to see it. But um, if you do see it, we'll talk about it. How about that? Yeah. If um if it's if it so turns out that someone's dragged me or there's a reason or something, then sure. But it's very unlikely. Um. Listen, I've already. Booked off a few days from work to watch the World Cup. That's uh, we've got the Champions League final, of course, in just over a week, and then yep. the World Cup. Uh, those are the things I'm kind of looking forward to at the moment. Certainly not 
the Han Solo movie. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, I, I think this is about a good good point to sort of wrap things up. Bronson, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much again. No, not at all. Thank you. And uh, I thought this was going to be one of our shorter podcasts. And uh, I've just realized we've been talking for uh, almost two hours. So, uh, no, enjoyed it as always. <laughs> and thank you for listening. Um, thanks for joining us. If you haven't yet subscribed to us, please do. Um, you can find instructions on how to subscribe on our website, which is intersectioncast.com. We are listed in all major podcast directories, including iTunes and TuneIn Radio. If social media is your thing, you want to follow us on, uh, I'll be loaded to your episodes on Facebook. You can do so. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash intersectioncast. And our Twitter account is at Let's Intersect. If you have any questions, feedback, or any suggestions, anything you want us to cover in future episodes, you can email us at feedback at intersectioncast.com and you can use that same email address to drop us a Skype voicemail. Once again, thank you for listening and thank you again, Bronson. No, thank you. I'm Jonathan Wildman and I'll sign off this edition of The Intersection and until the next time, that's a wrap. The Intersection.